Hello, everybody, and a happy Wednesday to you. It just got happier because the front row is underway. Tom Block, along with Keith Jones. KJ, how are you? I am wonderful. Yourself? I am doing splendid. There's plenty to talk about. We've got postseason looming for baseball, even though the baseball team has had a tough 24-hour span. Softball's in the postseason tournament. Men's tennis on the road. Beach volleyball was national runners-up. ACC meetings are going on, and we can talk about They're not telling us anything. Satellite camps, ACC network, time demands on players. Or we can talk about Jimbo's beard. Where would you like to start? Let's go with the beard. Let's go with the beard. (laughs) It matches what was added on top. Is that the way to start that? I don't know. I can say that uh, somebody, in full disclosure, I was doing a softball broadcast last week. And in my ear, the producer said, hey, here's Jimbo, and they show a shot. And I didn't recognize him at first because I was like, that's not Jimbo. Turns out it was. There you go. Grew a beard. There you go. Seriously, though, the ACC meetings uh, started on Monday in Amelia Island. They wrap up tomorrow. And nobody says anything about anything, at least on the AD side. The coaches will speak. They have weighed in on satellite camps. Or the basketball coaches speaking on going from 18 to 20 conference games. I was going to start with football, but now that you mention it, on the surface, I don't like it. And I'll tell you why. I was waiting. Well, one of the things that would go away is the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So basically what's going to happen is your non-conference. No, it would. It's being talked about. Too much money. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you could guarantee me that, what I'm suggesting is if you had two more conference games, which are two games against legitimate opponents – the two that are going to come off your schedule are going to be games against legitimate opponents, and you're still going to be playing the UNF and JUs of the world if you're FSU. The only downside that I see of it, and I'm very biased because I'm talking just from Florida State's perspective, is it's going to be very hard for Syracuse, Carolina, Duke, who routinely play other than Patsy's out of other conferences and has for years. Yes, that will be the same thing that that, uh, Florida State does, that Miami does, that Clemson does. Uh, But going to the 18 games, going to the 20 games uh, would handicap Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, and maybe Louisville in their scheduling. But it would be an upgrade to scheduling for Florida State, Miami, Clemson. I'll buy that. It would be tough for Florida State because, you know, some of those conference games would move before Christmas. And we know the way that the basketball fandom follows Florida State, and it doesn't resonate until after the first of the year. But maybe that gets them in the center. Maybe one more home game against a very quality opponent. Right, but it's, you know, you're going to add games potentially when students are on on Christmas break and all that. This is not a definitive thing. This is just something they've talked about. And uh, for basketball folks, it's a pretty big deal if you went from 18 conference games to 20. They just went to 18 a couple years ago. from Because of expansion. Right. And now they're trying to do it to try to create some more equality or, or rule out the inequality in the uh, in the way the schedule is. Exactly. So uh, ACC meetings, lots to uh, pontificate about, and we will do that over the next several minutes. We've got a good show ahead. Tim Linnefeld is going to join us, our Seminoles.com insider. Saw him today out at the track because FSU is getting set to host the ACC Outdoor Track and Field Championships. You doing that again? I am doing that good again. Good for you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that this weekend. It'll be a competitive meet for sure. The... Uh, Softball team is on the road and will open play as the top seed in the ACC again. I think this is four years and counting, and Lonnie Alameda, the head coach, will join us uh, next segment. Uh, But ACC meetings is probably going to be factor greatly into our conversation the rest of the way. After I remind you that Madison Social uh, would be the place to be if you're not there already. They do their trivias on uh, Tuesday nights. 
big news going up in College Town. If you haven't paid attention, there is a parking garage that is coming out of the ground now that will be open in time for the fall season, which will make it easier. Well, you have for to everybody. back into those spots. Uh, or can I, you pull in front ways of those spots? More than that, I would just like to not have You're to. You're going to ignore my question. I don't know the answer. Ah. So I didn't ignore it the second time. I'd like to not have to get out of my car to pay. Can, I agree. Can I, can I just get in my car and hand somebody a ticket or put a card in? Do I have to go walk all the way down there? And then, oh, crap, I forgot what the space number is. Right, exactly. walk back now i got to go back, number. find my space number. Yeah. But that is not Madison Social's problem. That is our advanced or middle-aged mentality. Exactly. So there you go. Anyway, good stuff going on. There's a, a social barker contest uh, going on this Sunday and a pub crawl for dog owners coming up, which uh, the Block family is now dog owners uh, once again. No, so you're we, not a dog owner yet. You're a puppy owner. Yes, I'm a puppy owner. Yeah. So, And good news uh, for Tallahasseans, I won't be participating in either of those <laughs> events because the puppy is not trained. Anyway, Madison Social, good place to go uh, as always. All right, let's go back to the ACC meetings, Keith. Uh, satellite camps. This was talked about. There's not a lot to say on this. I mean, they they went away for about uh, a minute. They came back. Jim Harbaugh has scheduled one in every uh, every city Did in I the read world. He's got one in the Bahamas. Uh, they've got. He's going to Australia. Australia. That's where it was. Australia. And rumor is Hawaii and Samoa as well. And so it, you can it, never have too many Samoan defensive tackles. I will give. And there's a connection on his coaching staff that's Hawaiian of Samoan descent, which is why that's coming up. But Australia, they're going to find a kicker. That's exactly where they're going because they've had a kicker from Australia. So I, I will give this to Jim Harbaugh. We've already talked about him several times on this show, and we're in Tallahassee. So it I'm is, not signing with him, though. It is free promotion for Michigan. Uh, at some point, you are spending a lot of resources to go do this. And I'm not sure how much return you're getting on that investment. I'd rather bring it closer to home and say, okay, if you're Jimbo, who has said that he's entertaining the thought, and Florida State probably will participate in satellite camps, where would you hold him? Uh, well, first of all, let's go back and make sure we don't misspeak about Jimbo. Jimbo doesn't like satellite camps. He does not like them, but now that they're But now that everyone else is doing them, unfortunately, I think he's going to feel the need to have them. If I was Jimbo, I would hold them in Florida. In other words, I would continue to exploit the fertile ground that I've got, and I wouldn't make my guys travel to uh, Texas or California or Idaho. Uh, I'd do it in my own backyard and just dare people to come in and try to get my kids. Well, I mean, you could certainly, uh, with Jim Harbaugh and others setting up shop in Florida, you'd want to have a presence basically everywhere in Florida because there's athletes everywhere in Florida. I was thinking about this. I don't know if it's permissible by the rules. I would look at uh, cities – in states that have a decent amount of, of high school football prospects where you have a NFL player. So, for example, uh, Florida is an example, but Jalen Ramsey's in Jacksonville now. Well, get Jalen to participate in that camp with you when you do your satellite camp over there. And then just pick – I mean, Florida State's got about is that 40 guys. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that's permissible or not, but it seems like that would add to the I would draw agree. a little bit. But so Jimbo's going to do it. Dabo Swinney has said that he's not going to do it. He took a stand. He said, hey, folks want to come to Clemson. We can evaluate them here. They want to be here. They'll be here. And we'll give them a pizza. And we'll give them a pizza. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We'll get back to that conversation a little bit. Lonnie Alameda, the uh, softball coach for Florida State, will join us uh, when we come back for our next segment. The uh, Knowles are the top seed again in the ACC softball tournament. We'll learn a little bit more about the 2016 Seminole softball team, which is potentially a national seed, depending on how things finish up when we continue as we are just getting cranked up here on the front row. Stay with us. 
We're back on the front row. Tom and Keith with you on this Wednesday night. We'll get back to ACC meetings discussion. Really, uh, when Jimbo's beard is the highlight of the three days of discussion so, so far. far. So far, there's not a lot to discuss. But there is plenty to discuss right now as we're pleased to be joined by the head softball coach at Florida State, Lonnie Alameda. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you all? Great. I imagine that you're uh, – are you in a dugout right now at NC State uh, getting some <laughs> practice in or – we are. We're getting ready. to. We're actually at the track right now, just hanging around and uh, getting ready to go on the field and get some ground balls and fly balls. Congratulations on uh, a regular season championship. I, w- I feel like this is maybe four years in a row, but you're you're 45 and eight. So uh, I'm not sure what happened in those eight games, but 45 <laughs> times things went pretty well. Congratulations <laughs> on another great season. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. That's for sure. Really, really good group of girls. What do you like about this team? Uh, the chemistry, uh, the leadership, uh, the accountability, there's just so many things and it's hard to put your thumb on what one thing has really made this team to stick together through thick and thin, but, uh, they are, they're just fun. They're, they're on the field right now, you know, playing categories, you know, that they're just, they're a good group of kids. Lonnie Keith Jones here. I, I need to remind you that my partner uh, televised some of your ball games this year and yeah. uh, three of your eight <laughs> losses, he was on the mic. Uh, so oh. we might need to take that in consideration moving forward. There we uh, go. The, We've the uh, figured Tom out the Block culprit. factor. Uh, gotcha. I, I've read some of the things about your kids talking about, you know, obviously the, the goal is the national championship, but your kids are really focused in on this ACC championship as well as a stepping stone. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know, I think that when you, when you think about it, like you, you've got to put in different goals you know, as you go throughout the season, it's such a long season. And so uh, you need a light at the end of the tunnel, but you need some process, you know, for everything that you're doing. And so we always want to win every series we play. Uh, we want to win the regular season. We want to be in the championship game of the ACC tournament, and we want to be in Oklahoma City. So, you know, if you kind of keep reminding yourself um, about the big picture with the small picture and the process of, of little things that you want to attain, you know, it keeps you chugging along in, in this big, big marathon of a 60-game season. Uh, obviously, at the end of a ball game, it's run scored, you against the opponent. But I think our listeners yeah. would be un, uh, interested to know that, that you've got one of the top offensive clubs in the country in terms of batting average, home runs, stolen bases. Um, it's not just who is on the bump or who's in the field for you guys. Yeah, we've been a, a very speedy team this year, uh, definitely very athletic. And we've recruited for that. We've wanted that, but it's really shown up this this year. And uh, I'm going to say the one thing that's been huge for us offensively is um, they're so selfless. You know, their at-bats are about the team. So they're really good about situational hitting and, and doing what they need to do for the team, which is, in end, turned out to be a very good offensive year. Well, and somebody who's had a very good offensive year is Alex Powers, Coach. I don't know when the accolades come out, but I know when you hit 403 with 13 homers and 54 runs driven in, you're going to be on the very short list for ACC Player of the Year. Is is that yeah. expected? Is that award already out? And then uh, secondary, yeah, I, the second part of my question would be uh, share a little bit about what she's overcome because it's my understanding that she's torn an ACL twice, one in each leg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's, you know, you definitely don't want to see players go through injury, but I think with uh, her tearing her ACL her freshman year in the fall, um, learning how to rehab herself to get back to the best she can to, again, in the fall, the next season, tearing the other ACL, um, your heart goes out to her, but yet it has been the biggest opportunity for her to develop into the best player person, Florida State Seminole she could be. 
uh, because she took adversity face on. And so to see her perform now, anyone comes out to see her, you don't know she's done it. She's the fastest kid, the strongest kid, the most confident kid out in the field right now. We're talking with Lonnie Alameda, FSU softball coach. Do you feel like you are a national seed at this point? Do you have to win the ACC tournament? Would that solidify it or guarantee it? Or is it just going to be a crapshoot right until you watch the selection show? Um, no, I, I think we've gotten a pretty good shot right now. But I do think we have to be in the championship game Saturday night. And I think winning it would really put the nail in it for us. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at RPI, which, you know, the, the power index thing and um, you look at our conference RPI and, and the strength of schedule of who we're playing this weekend versus maybe the SEC or the PAC. Um, those are really big things when you go down to the last 10 games and maybe the last five games in difference and when they're making decisions. And so, um, you know, we, we need to push. We need to think first pitch tomorrow against Pitt. Can't look past that. But, you know, it's in our hands to continue this, this the top eight. Lonnie, it's been said that, that getting to the top is hard, but staying on the top is harder. Uh, with the success that you've had, and, and in fact, the domination, and particularly looking at the uh, ACC uh, tournament schedule, first two clubs that uh, you face, you, you've just worn them out. What have you had to do as a coach, if anything, to change how you talk and or uh, talk, uh, how you uh, speak about motivation to these ladies as, they, as they've they've had the success? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't you don't have to motivate people that are really competitive. The game brings out itself, you know? So I think that we just really try to make sure that we understand what Florida state softball is. There's a culture here. There's a mentality. There's something you expect from your teammates every day. And if we can hold that high standard of what we want to be, the wins take care of themselves, you know, and obviously you're going to have some losses along the way, but you know, if you're doing the process right all the time, we're going to be obviously more in the win column than we are in the loss column. So we really try to keep that competitive nature and compete against the game. You know, the, the opponent has no face, and, you know, you go out there and you play Florida State softball, and if you can hold yourself to those standards, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. It, it sounds like you've uh, learned the lingo of Jimbo. Have you spent some time with him there talking about process? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coach, Coach has been great. Uh, he does come over and talk to the team. He's a big baseball softball guy, and, um, for as busy as he is, he takes the time over, and, and the girls love it. Any any time he can share some information with them, whether it's in the weight room or over at our facility, it, it's pretty outstanding. He, you know, he tends to know statistics from crazy years, so he probably can tell you the softball team's record from 1994 and things like that because he just has that in his mind. <laughs> yes, he is. He's one smart guy, but he's got to be at football, huh? He's got to be. <laughs> hey, this is a side note real quick, but I had the privilege to, to call one of your games last week with Lacey Waldrop, and I know that uh, she's playing professionally over the summer, which I was very envious. She gets to spend her summer in Chicago. That's a pretty good deal. But she's moving on to OU, which is where you came from, and uh, part of what she's going to do there is some Sooner Vision TV. And I can just tell you, having worked with her, that if she wants to make that her career, she can make that her career. She's very good as an analyst. Yeah, yeah. Lacey was a, a very good student of the game. It made her such a good pitcher because she knew every in and out and nuance of the offense that she was facing. And when you're doing that as a competitor, it's going to be pretty easy to transfer over and, you know, talk about the game. And she's such a personable kid. And um, we're really happy for her. She's taking advantage of every opportunity. She's going to spend some time in Italy also playing. So uh, that, that's pretty outstanding. She's just ready to take on the world. Yeah, I'm really glad she didn't mention the Italy thing because then I would have yeah. definitely been frustrated for the rest of the broadcast. Hey, Coach, <laughs> I, I know you've got Pitt tomorrow, uh, and then the semifinals are, are Friday afternoon with the championship game uh, on Saturday. You're at NC State. You're the top seed. And uh, 
best of luck to you. Bring it home, another championship for uh, Florida State. And, we uh, never get tired of it. We and, never get tired of it. By the way, you I, I, you and Coach K uh, over there sharing the same facility, I mean, you've got to have the best winning percentage of two sports combined in the same facility on FSU's campus. I mean, you guys are yeah. you're, you're doing your part. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that I go over and try to rev elbows all the time. They got some success breeding over there, so we try to take advantage of that a bunch. <laughs> Hey, have fun this weekend, and congratulations on on what you've been able to do with that. You know, it was big shoes when you came in, too. I mean, it wasn't like there was a a small shadow cast by Joanne Graff with all that she did. So congratulations to you and continued success. Thank you very much. Thank you for the support, and and, uh, we're going to do our best out here. All righty. Thank you so much. That's FSU softball coach Lonnie Alameda as the Knowles are the top seed. They take on Pitt tomorrow. 45-8 and is not too shabby. Well, not only that, I was looking at some other stuff. They have not lost a series against an ACC opponent since 2012. Now, there's been some ties in there with some, uh, you know, two-game things and some rainouts and some other things, but they've not lost a three-game series to an ACC opponent in four years. It's amazing. Yeah, so best of luck this week, and hopefully they bring home another tournament championship and they end up a national seed uh, and get to host for the first two rounds. Works the same way in softball as it does in baseball. There's a, a regional round and a super regional round, and if you're a top eight seed, you don't have to stray from your home campus, and obviously that's an advantage to get out to the uh, World Series, which is in Oklahoma City for uh, the women's college softball, as it has been for years and years. All right, our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, will join us next. We'll bounce back to Amelia Island and some of the topics du jour from the ACC meetings. That's when we continue. We're, we're not getting a buffet? No, we're not. Just the topics du jour. I'm sorry. Right after this on the front row. Welcome back to the front row. Tom and Keith with you on this uh, Wednesday night. Good show as always. Uh, you wouldn't expect anything less, and it's about to get better because Tim Linnefeld, we're ramping it up. Our Seminoles dot com insider will join the program now. Hey Tim, how are you? Hello, Tim. Uh oh. Well, we'll work to get Tim Linnefeld on. You know, we Tim, lost him. Tim is big time these days. He may be in between stuff. He, he he probably he might have an appearance going in Seattle right now. I know he does Dallas and New York City quite frequently. Uh, perhaps L.A. has them on the line, so we just have to get in the queue. And we're lower down on the pecking order. We, we are, recognize we are, that. We are. We are because we don't pay him nearly as much. We pay him? Exactly. Now we've got him. Tim, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. I've been here the whole time. Oh, you were there the whole time. Okay, well, good I to was. know. We, we thought maybe you were some. We thought you were doing other obligations, you know, your no, uh, I national. I was getting an extended intro. How are things? Oh, they're great. They're great. How are you? Good. I saw you briefly at the track today. Big weekend as FSU hosts the ACC uh, track and field outdoor championships. I will say this. I'm fortunate enough, Keith, you asked me about this before. I got to call this last year, and I'm going to call it this weekend. Um, I'm going to confess that I had not gone to the final day of a track meet until I called one last year. It's very entertaining. The crowd gets into it. I, Tim, I imagine you've probably been to one, but when you get back-to-back, with the, and I don't have the order in front of me, but it, it's pretty good stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It almost feels like a music festival without the bands, obviously. You know what I mean? But you got, like, tents everywhere and people just, you know, all over the place, spread out across the field. It just looks like a big sort of, like, party or fair. You expect there to be, like, concessions in the background. Obviously, there aren't because 
everybody is in you know amazing shape, so they're not eating turkey legs and, and chicken on a stick like you or you or I might. But but otherwise, it just has a really festive atmosphere to it. It's a lot of fun. I, I usually bring the turkey legs and the chicken on a stick with me when I'm announcing <laughs> those those meets. But it'll be a good weekend. It should be a competitive track meet. That's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, at Mike Long Track. Now, close to Mike Long Track is where you find Dickhauser Stadium, and I know you were there today, Mike Martin Field, and this has been a pretty tough 24-hour span for the baseball boys. What was the mood after that one today? Well, I don't think they were very happy, uh, obviously. You know, Mike Martin, he he hates losing midweek games as much as any game at the NECC or, or anything like that. So uh, I think he was disappointed, especially to see them come all the way back uh, from 6-2 to two down and then 8-6 to six down. Uh, and, and be able to force extra innings and give it all away in the in the 10th inning. Um, it didn't feel good. But at the same time, I, I think there was more just disappointment that after uh, a tough outing last night over in Jacksonville, you come out in the first inning, uh, commit. I, I think they only scored one official error, but, but by my count, there were two over at third base that led to several runs for Florida Gulf Coast. They ended up scoring five in the top of the first. So, you know, again, after a, a, a bad outing against Jacksonville, you come out uh, at home and rather than look sharp and, and like you put it behind you, you're down 5 nothing a few minutes into the game. So it really did seem to sort of snowball. And and now, you know, it, it's kind of taken, a, uh, taken the season on a different turn. You go to, to, to Duke this weekend, a team that has played pretty well this season. They have three games up there and then three games against Miami, who's been – around the top five all season long uh, next week. So uh, all of a sudden, it looks like it's kind of getting to crunch time for the baseball team. This is a team, Tim, that, that has not fielded well all year long. And, and as you mentioned, miscues, uh, whether counted as errors or not, uh, have really, really handicapped the squad. Absolutely. And, and that's what, uh, what Mike Martin was saying after the game. He said, every, every game before we take the field, uh, I, I, I say two things, pitching and defense. Uh, and in his words, we, we didn't do one of those very well today. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's just especially when you have uh, a guy like Tyler Holt, and I know we're, we're late in the season, and, and you know, Coach would probably tell you that he's not a freshman anymore. But officially speaking, he is a freshman, and, and he's kind of ridden the ups and downs of the season the way a freshman might. Uh, when, you, when you send him out there and then he can't show him that you can play steady defense behind him, uh, that's not going to help. You know, that's not going to be a good thing. So whenever you have a young staff like Florida State does in a lot of cases this year, uh, you have to be solid on defense behind them, uh, both to pick up the slack if they need to, and also just to give them that boost of confidence. And, and right now, neither of those things are happening. Well, change of gears, 180 miles plus or minus to our east on a little barrier island. Uh, there's a, a meeting of some significance going on. Uh, haven't heard much coming out of there. We probably won't until the end, but – uh, what, what you mean are some the 2016 of the, Jimbo Fisher beard discussion? That's well, we, had, we, uh, we had that in uh, in segment one. Yes, we did. Um, <laughs> what do you think's going to happen? What's going to be the big story when they break? That's a really good question. I, I, I don't know. Uh, my guess is uh, that there's going to be a lot of discussion about a potential ACC network and, and, and where that stands. I don't know that there's going to be – any major news come from it. So I would almost wonder if, if the, the narrative from, from some of the folks there is, is what the heck is going on here. Is, is there an ACC network or TV platform on the table? And if so, what's it going to look like? Because I don't think it's too crazy to suggest that whatever it, it, it might be, it, it might not look exactly like the SEC network, which has kind of been the standard. Well, that, uh, would, mean, that would mean no Paul Feinbaum, though, so that would be all right. 
Well, you know, maybe you guys could take that uh, that radio spot for the for an ACC channel. I Not like that, we can't. <laughs> or uh, would we? But, but, you know, John Swafford has said several times before this week that when it it's not just getting a, a TV network as quickly as possible, you want to make sure that the timing is right. And and you know, he, he's right when he says if you look at the Pac-12 network or the Longhorn network, these things haven't always been a slam dunk. Uh, but then the question that arises, I think, is if, if you're waiting for the right time to launch an ACC network, uh, given the landscape of TV and ESPN and, and the way we're sort of seeing a shift from cable subscribers to the Internet and all that sort of thing, uh, will there ever be a right time? And, and I don't know that we know the answer to that right well, now. And the other thing that never gets talked about is the, the, the money going to the schools gets reported. But nobody's reporting on the amount of money that ESPN is losing on these networks. And, and Tom and I have talked about this. I know you're aware of it. But ABC, the parent company of ESPN, has put the screws to them. I mean, they just let Ray Lewis and Chris Carter go. Uh, I mean, they 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 are bleeding talent. Yeah, talent, but, which but, means they're bleeding real dollars. They gave up the British Open. I mean, nobody wants to talk about what's happening to the mothership. Everybody's just worried about the little checks that the little chickies get. The mothership goes away. The little checks to the chickies go away. No doubt, and I think you've definitely seen ESPN. I think they're you know cutting resources from from on camera talent, and just Chris Carter and Ray Lewis. It's the latest in a long line. We saw Skip Bayless. They let him walk not too long ago. Colin Cowherd, Mike Tirico. right? And you know we can all have our opinions on those guys and what they bring to the table, but they are all high priced talent that is now somewhere else. I, I, my own personal opinion is that if, if ESPN were to focus all its resources on on live sports, uh, you know, I think the the average fan, it, it doesn't matter. You know, we love to complain about announcers, but we're still going to watch the game. I think that's kind of where your bread and butter is, and I wonder if ESPN's gotten away from that a little bit with some of the you know, the talk shows and Embrace Debate and all that. I know you can't have live sports 24 hours a day, although maybe you could. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I'm interested to see if, if they take this new shift where they emphasize you know, more on live events and less on, you know, opinionated talent, so to speak. I wonder if that will, will More help. on the field or the court, less in the studio. I, I, I think we'd be okay with that, right? I know I would. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. Well, truthfully, I mean, years ago, uh, they didn't have the daytime programming with, with the talking heads. They just replayed SportsCenter all day. And then yeah. at one in the afternoon, they'd replay rugby, a game. From, or rugby games. Or Australian rules football comes to mind. Used to watch a lot of that back in the <laughs> 80s before your day. Tim, before your day, ESPN existed on Australian rules football. Uh, there might have been a dog show mixed in. And then they got the idea to televise the NFL draft. And boom, they are what they are now. That's kind of how it happened. Well, hey, you know, it, it, it constantly moves and evolves. But the one thing I, I want to say, uh, Keith, you mentioned, you know, if the if the mothership goes away, you know, with the implications of that. My only other thought on that is that you know, college football and the NFL and whatever else, like they're not less popular now than they were before. It might take some figuring out for exactly how this is going to work, but the people still demand college football and college sports coverage. You're, you're so, exactly right. If it, when it comes to live programming of the sports that Americans care about, uh, Espen, anybody else would be – just silly to to move away from that. well and to that point though because fox has not had enough of the games that i care about uh i'm a comcast subscriber i honestly can't tell you what channel fox sports one is right now on it and i during football season i had to tweet about it tim for somebody to tell me so i could watch whatever game i wanted to watch so the point is 
for me to switch, they're going to have to get the rights to the live games. I could care less about Colin or Tarico or whoever else they have. And there's plenty of talented guys that have left and girls. But um, to me, it's about the live events. I will say, I'm, go ahead, Tim. Well, I was going to say, but but if you know somehow off in the future, if uh, if Fox Sports was showing Alabama versus LSU at eight o'clock on a Saturday, well, night, then I would I know what channel it, it is. Yeah. So we've yeah. gone uh, what eight minutes, eight and a half minutes now talking to Tim. And we haven't even brought up Pender. How how insignificant in the grand scheme of things is that? Well, uh, pretty insignificant, uh, at least in terms of a, from a football perspective. Look, uh, even in the spring, I was skeptical that, that he was going to see the field. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had a, a significant injury with the collapsed lung and then the, the subsequent uh, complications that came after that. He was in the hospital for a long time, didn't participate in spring practice at all, uh, you saw him around the practice facility uh, a handful of times, maybe, but he, he didn't look like he was getting ready to play football anytime soon. Uh, between that and the fact that, that Jacquez Patrick seems to solidify himself as a second-string running back, then you've also got Jonathan Vickers, Freddie Stevenson, and other guys coming in this fall, you're starting to wonder where his place was on the team anyway. Uh, and then the fact that the, the week incident over the weekend happened, it just, just kind of solidified what I think most were already thinking. Sure didn't take the university long to get a statement out, did it? No, it absolutely did not. And, and again, a, a situation like that, uh, as, uh, as unfortunate as it is, as it is and kind of hard to read some of the details, uh, you almost take the ball out of the university's court at that point. I mean, what choice did they have? There wasn't any. Correct. What else you want to discuss, Tim? We've we've uh, identified lots of problems as per usual. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't solved anything from the ACC. Uh, well, I, you know, I, there's there's really a lot going on as you mentioned. Uh, it's, it's spring sports time. Uh, the, the ACC track and field championships uh, are at home this weekend. That should be pretty fun. The softball team is on the road at the uh, the ACC tournament in Raleigh, North Carolina. They're favored to uh, to uh, to win that thing. They have a chance to lock up a national seed and. And outside of, of some struggles against Florida, who is ranked number one in the country and, and literally everybody has a hard time against, They're, they've won two straight national titles and are probably going to win a third. Uh, Florida State's been really, really successful uh, against just about everybody else in the country. So, uh, you know, I know over there they, 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 they kind of hesitate to say it, but, you know, they're feeling that like that could be a Women's College World Series team there, that they've, they've got something this year that maybe they didn't have in years past so uh so yeah it's something to keep an eye on they get going actually tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock so uh i know this is the, this is the time of year where we start getting into uh the, the postseason with baseball and softball and if, if you haven't kept an eye on them before now's a pretty good time hey i'm gonna throw you a curveball real quick here because we didn't talk about this we'll test your knowledge uh keith oh, and i did discuss last week that we should put you on the spot every week uh, the uh, the men's golf team is headed to the postseason again, and maybe it's just been my personal life, and I haven't kept up with Trey Jones' team as much this year. It feels like they've dipped, but then I look at it, and I think they're the two seed in their region. Are they just as good as they've been, or what's expected from them this year? I don't know that they're just as good, uh, just because uh, I mean, last year they were unquestionably the number one team in the country just about for for the entire season. Fell off uh, in the national tournament, but they were I mean, they're the best of the best. Uh, pretty much all year, but they're still no really really good. Um, Hank Leviota is uh, probably one of the, the the best golfers to come through here in recent years, and that's really saying something considering that they have I think four guys, four former players uh, participating in the players this weekend at Sawgrass. But you know, finalists for the, the National Player of the Year award, the Jack Nicklaus Player of the Year award, and I think has a pretty good chance to be named uh, the ACC Golfer of the Year. So you know I think golf is one of those sports, especially the way 
they kind of do the formatting there in the tournament. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be the number one team to compete for the national title and have a chance at it. I think you just have to be sort of in the mix with the top teams, and they certainly are uh, in the mix there. See, you handled that well. That I do. You did. You did excellent. <laughs> Keith is holding up a nine point five for I'll your score. It. The Russian judge has a six point two. However, the so. Chinese judge gave you a two. <laughs> Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider. Uh, we'll put you on the spot again next week, all right? I'll look forward to it. Hey, thanks for thanks, joining Tim. us as always. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, a lot to react to, and uh, we will do that on the other side of this commercial message. Stay with us here on the front row. Tom and Keith with you. Did you notice how Tim adeptly handled that men's golf question without being scripted or knowing that was coming? And I can assure you, we did not script him because you and I have talked about the fact we're trying to find a way to embarrass the boy on radio. Yeah, but he is our Seminoles.com insider, so he had an appropriate response for that. By the way, you didn't ask me what I did last night. You know, it's funny because here we are in the fourth segment, and I was thinking, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about, but perhaps I'll ask Keith what he did last night. So, KJ? I attended the Prime Meridian Bank annual meeting. <laughs> Our friends at Prime Meridian well, Bank. There you go. They there. finished up year number eight, uh, I think technically in February. This was their annual uh, meeting, and uh, I had the opportunity to swing by and uh, visit with uh, with the folks, and uh, we're proud to have them as a sponsor here on the front row, and we're proud to have them as a as an esta- retail establishment in the city of Tallahassee and also down in Crawfordville now. We are indeed. Good little anecdote. I thought it was going to have to do with changing diapers of one of your eight grandkids or something. No, like that, that happened That happened on Sunday. Mom, Mama's Day involved with some pull-ups and some other things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Kathy normally takes care of that, but Poppy had to lend a hand. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine that. All right, so satellite camps, they are what they are. I don't want to say they're much ado about nothing. I do think Florida State's going to have to get some skin in the game and do them. But well, here's here's something that nobody talks we about. We should ask Lonnie. I mean, I guess you can do them for any sport now. Here's right? this, here's another thing we don't talk about. Every university has summer camps. Uh, that came into to being about twenty years ago because it's another opportunity to actually recruit players. So you invite kids in to so you can have an opportunity to have them on your campus and to work with them. Most of these camps are worthless. They're fluff. They're, they're, you show up, stand around, somebody comes in and speaks. Uh, you do a few things on the, on the, uh, on the turf or on the, on the field. And, and, and you're away from home for two days. Jimbo has never taken that approach. Even when he came as the offensive coordinator under coach Bowden, the camps changed to where they work their tails off. I mean, a kid, a sophomore kid that is an offensive lineman at, at Gainesville Buholtz that is an ardent Gator wannabe can come to Tallahassee and spend two days with Rick Trickett and actually learn something as well as getting his butt chewed out. And so what I've all, all I've thought, I've never heard anybody talk about, is Florida State's camps are nationally known for, for actually improving kids. They teach them things. They work them, and they teach them. So kids want to come here. The satellite thing is I don't want to go to Michigan. I don't want to go to Syracuse. They're not going to but, I'm not going to learn but, anything. So I'll go to the Orlando satellite camp that the Big East and the Big 12 is putting on and stand around and look at people. But but let's throw the 
geographically remote schools out of the equation. So if you take a kid from South Florida that I don't know what the percentage would be, but quite often is going to go to Florida, Florida State, or Miami, and you set up shop next to St. Thomas or at St. Thomas, and you're the University of Florida, and you're going to run a camp, you're going to get a lot of those kids there. And so but you're going to tell me you don't know who they are already? No, you know who they are, but you're making – it's another contact. It's another engagement point. I'm, I just, I I'm just not, don't see the point. Well, and that's what Dabo Swinney said. I'm just suggesting that's why Florida State is probably going to get in the game because if Miami's doing it in Florida – I don't think Jimbo's worried about what Jim Harbaugh is doing. <laughs> Pardon I mean, me. There's, no, there's, no, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting gonna, that at there's all. There's going to be one kid a year or one kid every three recruiting cycles that Florida State is going to be battling Michigan with or every four – not that often, but they're going to be battling Florida and Miami a lot, so you potentially get into the game for that. But I I think this topic is going to get revisited. Uh, at some point, frankly, if I mean, maybe, maybe not, but if you're a donor to Michigan's athletics program and you're now funding trips to Australia for when the you coaching find out staff to a, find kickers. I was going to say, when you find out they I don't took know if a that's private the best jet. Use, yeah. From Michigan to Australia at a cost of $27,000 round trip or whatever it is. To maybe recruit a kicker. Right. So, I, I don't, you know, this isn't going away. It has been an interesting battle, and it looked like the SEC-ACC won for a week. And then Jim Harbaugh got to start tweeting again because but he won ultimately. That one, that's just been fodder that's been out there. The satellite camp topic doesn't really interest me that much. The ACC network obviously does. Very much so. A point I don't know that we've – we've made on here and we don't know definitive facts because John Swafford hasn't shared them, but I have that. The AD meeting was held up today. <laughs> yeah. The AD meeting That's this morning. Was, tell them, tell, tell our listeners. This is well, interesting. Syracuse's AD left and is now the Minnesota AD. And apparently nobody knew because Syracuse's new football coach who was hired by the AD came out of the football meetings and was greeted by the media. And they asked about his AD's departure. He said he knew nothing about it. Well, the AD, the, the the AD meeting didn't get waiting. started because they were waiting for the Syracuse AD to arrive. And oh, and by the way, he's taking another job. He's now at Minnesota. So I don't know the whole backstory on that. He said it was family reasons, but no, here's what I was going to say. So it, it's been out there and we've talked about the fact that allegedly reportedly, according to some, maybe, the ACC is going to get compensated by ESPN as of July 1 of this year if they don't have a network. For not having the network. And West Durham put figures to that and then retracted a little bit. But the figures were 45 mil to the league, which is $3 million per school, which I'm going to guess is probably pretty close to accurate. Um, I have it on good authority from my sources that, indeed, the ACC is getting compensated for not having a network by ESPN. It's just a question I of the dollar I amount. I didn't know the dollar amount, and I didn't know the when, but I have been told that's going to happen. So if you consider ESPN's losing money trying to save dollars, you're not going to have that rider or provision in the contract that's only a one-year thing. You're not going to appease the ACC schools by saying, we'll give you $3 million apiece this year and then not do it next year. You're going to be doing Plus it. Plus the number next year will be higher. Right. There's probably going to be an escalator. But even if there's not, you're 45 mil this year, you're 45 mil next year. In three years, you've spent $135 million if you're ESPN to not have a network. That makes no sense because you can't recoup those dollars. So if you have that in there, there has to be something they're trying to do. And as we've talked about, I don't see it as a, a TV channel necessarily, but there's going to be a way to monetize that product. ESPN's not going to just give it away. Point number two leads me to the Big 12 discussion, and that is with the extra $3 million, ACC schools will now be getting more than Big 12 schools which still leaves the ACC behind the Big Ten and the SEC or the SEC and the Big Ten, but it puts them right in the middle of the Power Five and above the Big 12 and above the Pac-12 Pac that has a network. 
which I guess is going a long way to say that we fretted about this for a while. And even though the gap, there needs to be a way to, to shrink that revenue grant gap. Uh, it's not as dire as what it is if you're sitting in the Big 12 meetings and you're saying, I think we need to add Memphis or UCF or UConn or any number of other schools that are nowhere remotely close to Big 12 territory, nor do they have the cachet to, to add anything to the mix other than a TV market, which in this suppressed period for ESPN may or may not be an advantage. Not, I mean, short of adding Alabama or Notre Dame, I don't know who's going to bring any dollars to you right now. You could add 10 schools and it may not up your TV contract. The only thing that concerns me, and I, and I think we'll see it in the Big 12, because I think they are going to have to go to 11 or 12 teams, uh, and they're going to have to have a championship game. That just appears to be right, wrong, or different. They're doing satellite camps. i got to do a satellite camp. Everybody else has got 12 teams and, and has a game. i got to have one. Is Once that momentum starts, whoever the Big 12 picks up, you left out Houston, by the way, which would be my number one pick if I'm the Big 12. Uh, once that starts, everybody I would, else is going to start. I, I would agree with that, except the Big 12 would say we're already in Texas. That adds nothing. But I agree. I think Houston is sort of a sleeping giant over there. Houston's going to be with somebody yeah. in the near future. And that's because I respect their coach, and they just whipped FSU. Exactly. Play ball, yeah. But having said that, once that move happens, once one or two – because it'll be – you know, there, there are no more independents out there. Somebody's got to leave a conference to join the Big 12, per se. And then all the other big Power Five conferences are going to be, well, here's our opportunity to expand. And all of the other five conferences are, can we hold ourselves together? What happens if the American Athletic Conference loses three people, two to the Big 12 and one to the Pac-12? This whole thing will start over again, and you, you, you don't necessarily agree with me, but we're going to see another big round of movement well, I think it when could that get, begins. It could get bigger, but it's going to be with lesser players because a lot of the major players are locked up by, by grant of rights. So, for example, but that's only in the big five. The other ones don't have right, that. But that's why I say lesser players. Agreed. So, for example, last time around, uh, there was a lot of talk about FSU to the Big 12, and now there's not much talk about it unless the Big 12, without its network, and fourth on the conference pecking order, as I just detailed, is going to pay the 50 million grant of rights to even open the conversation for FSU. Uh, and I'm being facetious because I never wanted FSU in the Big 12 anyway. I didn't think it made a lot of sense. But um, I, I don't disagree that if a couple of schools go to the Big 12, that then at least there'll be some be other movement about it. I think the bigger thing is some school, some conferences would probably like to have a do-over. Like I, I'm still not sold on Missouri in the SEC East, and if I'm Missouri, I, I'm much more suited to be in the Big 10. I, how that didn't happen, I don't know. Uh, now, Texas A&M and the SEC West has made sense and has been a good fit there, despite Texas A&M's issues with their coaches and tweeting and Johnny Manziel and all that stuff. Um, UCF Which is, is kind of why I don't tweet. UCF is trying to uh, – they're just hoping somebody would give them a chance. And I will say this, and I've thought this for a while. Really, since I went down there, I don't know, it's probably been five years now to call an FSU baseball series at UCF. I hadn't been on UCF's campus in years. Golly, it's huge. And actually, you and I were down there a couple years ago for, for basketball. For basketball, and the point is, they've got sixty thousand students a year. They're in a big metro area that is in the center of the third most populous state in the country, with great weather to play games in November. Enti- for opposing teams. Their entire campus is brand new. They don't have history and tradition on their side. But, they got but if a else. Power Five conference ever gives UCF a chance. Florida State won't be happy about it, and Florida won't be happy about it because UCF will become relevant in pretty short order. Uh, 
you know, to me, UCF made more sense in the SEC East than Missouri did, but Florida was never going to allow that. And I realize that's only 90 minutes away, so it doesn't give you a different TV market, which is probably what the SEC would say about that. But I, I do think that if I was the Big 12, I would consider UCF because it gets you into Florida. And, and UC, they've got a new on-campus stadium uh, in football, but also in basketball. I'm not trying to lobby for UCF here, but uh, well, the given the, given the talent that's in the state of Florida and what I just detailed, the but, only thing they lack is tradition and a, and a, and a long-standing yep. alumni base. And, this, and, and the same argument can be made using those same principles with why Houston would be a great fit for the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 could then swing down and pick up Texas. They're the only team in the Pac-12 that would be in Texas. They've got all the facilities. They've got a great basketball tradition. They're playing great football now. You know, that, that argument of them going west instead of looking east uh, can be said the same thing as UCF looking north. At the end of the day, do you think the Big 12 is better if it expands by two, given who's yes. out there? They're going to have to – if they Just, have to do something, are they going to be irrelevant? So you think they're better to get to 12, have a conference championship game, even if the additional two are UConn and – Yes, because if BYU they don't, is probably be one if of them. they don't, Oklahoma or Texas are going to leave. So from a stability standpoint, but there's a grant of rights there too. So somebody now Texas could pay the grant of rights with about two checks for the Longhorn. Oklahoma is not too far yeah. behind them either. I'm just saying, you you can't maintain ten teams with no championship game and continue to be thought of. At some point, there'll be two ACC teams in the in the playoffs and not a Big Twelve representative. You, you know what's interesting about the dynamic in the Big Twelve is that. When things are not equitable, you get more angst. And so things are not equitable because Texas is getting an extra $15 million a year from the Longhorn Network. And if you think back to when there was a big push to get FSU out of the ACC, because a lot of folks thought, hey, FSU is, is carrying the load for football, which it has clearly for the entire 25 years it's been in the ACC. Somebody else won a national title. I know Clemson is relevant. Go win the whole thing, and we'll talk. And Miami hasn't done anything since it's been in the league. But the point being, there's, there was a thought among a lot of FSU fans that FSU should get a disproportionate or maybe a more proportionate share, depending on your take More on money. More money. Uh, but the ACC said, no, well, this is going to be equal revenue sharing. Now, there is a grant of rights involved, but there's not the angst there that you have. And if the Big 12, if Texas was on equal footing with the rest of the Big 12, I don't think there would be as much angst. They'd probably still have to add two teams but there wouldn't be the fear that either Oklahoma or Texas are going to bolt in the dark of the night. I would agree. Well, I said a lot. You gave me six minutes, and you took three words to agree. For once, you're correct. All right, we'll take a break. We'll see if <laughs> Keith wants to add to that, and I'll catch my breath after this on the front row. Swafford will speak tomorrow, and what you'll hear is not much of anything. <laughs> I, I would suspect. He'll I mean, be if, very well spoken. If though. he wanted to drop a bombshell, he could stand up there tomorrow and announce that the network is uh, is being created and launching in two weeks. And oh, by the way, or, or July one of twenty twenty seven. Anything would be news. Yeah, anything would be news. But I don't. I'm not expecting that. I don't think any of the media there are. I think Jimbo's beard will continue to be the top story at the ACC uh, media days. One thing I did see is that uh, Wilson Bell, Florida State offensive lineman, was over at the ACC meetings because he is the 
I don't know if he's the FSU rep or one of the FSU reps, but basically I think he's the FSU rep to the ACC in regard to this time demand study and survey that's been commissioned. And we haven't talked a lot about it. It got tabled basically this year at the NCAA level. I shouldn't say tabled. They put it off on a study. Yeah, they're studying it. They're collecting input, looking at the data. It will happen next January, and they'll make some decisions. But we need to get Wilson on the show because a lot of what they're talking about pertains to the 20-hour-per-week rule, which if you're not intimately familiar, you can only technically work 20 hours or practice in your sport 20 hours per week. On the field, on the court, in the classroom, with your coaches. Right, and I've, I've railed on this before, a case of a baseball game, Counts as three hours, even though the players arrive three hours before the game and they're there an hour afterwards. It's really a seven or eight hour workday, but it counts as three hours towards that 20. And then you have things that don't count towards that 20, which I believe is time in the training room. Go look at it. Yeah. Well, but then you have community service, media obligations, uh, study hall. If you're injured, the train, none of that counts. So anyway, the survey looks at all that. And I suspect there will be some tweaks to it when we get to January in the NCAA convention. But Wilson Bell can shed some light on that uh, in terms of what uh, the student-athletes answered because they actually collected their input, so I would hope that uh, in good order they would actually listen to it or take some of it. Having, having been through that process, albeit you know, uh, a century ago, uh, I can simply tell you that the, that the 20 hours that gets monitored again, because of the, the discrepancies between like a baseball game or a football game and what counts as one or two or three hours is actually longer than that. The kids are putting in 40 and 45 and 50 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, because, again, you're, you're talking about training room time and that type of thing. But, you know, there's times right, wrong, or indifferent where these kids get handed a DVD or get handed a URL and you got to go back to your your dorm or your apartment. And it's voluntary. It's voluntary. Yeah, voluntary. it's voluntary yeah. like the OTAs at the NFL. Right. Yeah, they're voluntary. All right. Uh, you know, this show for you and I is is just about voluntary. Not quite. I do enjoy coming. Let's see. Yeah, but I only put seven hours a week into it. That's true. And it's not seven. <laughs> Unless you get lost on the way to and from. It's it's a whole 60 minutes uh, a week that we invest and that you invest with us. So thanks for uh, doing so. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll be back next week right here on the front row. 